You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Third day of Royal Ascot, Thursday, June the 22nd, and the hottest morning of the week so far. The mercury rising here in East Berkshire. Maybe a rogue shower or two a little later on. Nothing rogue about my guest this morning, Rishi Passad, who's in roguish mood after a horse that he has a share in Rogue Millennium, was one of the heroines of yesterday, taking the Duke of Cambridge stakes. But that was one of many, many good stories on the day. An American winner in the opener with Crimson Advocate John Velasquez for George Weaver. Could they uh, double up with No Name Mets, ridden by Frankie Dottori, that training team, this afternoon? Uh, Mostadaf was a surprise winner of the Prince of Wales, as we'll try and work out how and why in a few moments' time. What else happened yesterday? Well, Frankie finally got his winner. Well, he only had to wait till day two. Gregory has been voted by you the Huntsman Ride of the Day. So Frankie Dottori goes into the mix for the bespoke Huntsman suit at the beginning of next week. Rishi Passad, always well attired. What a day for you. What a day for everybody. It was a very memorable day. Um, obviously on a personal level, seeing Rogue Millennium drop back to a mile for the first time and producing a career best uh, was very satisfying. Um, but yeah, look, there, as you say, Nick, there were so many great stories and I think I think the one in the first race with Crimson Advocate was perhaps the most poignant of them. Um, I, I tried to interview George Weaver. He was too emotional to really expand on things, which is understandable. It's so just, very... just for those who aren't familiar, just, just explain the story there. With George Weaver, his wife, Cindy, uh, suffered a horrible fall with Saratoga. Uh, the horse landed on top of her uh, and she was in a coma for a month. Um, and obviously she suffered brain injury. Uh, very, very difficult. I mean, I don't know the exact details, but my friends who are involved with uh, American Racing said that she came very close to dying. Um, so the fact that she was in the winner's enclosure yesterday, just a year after that uh, awful incident, um, was a touching moment for all concerned. And you know, they, you know that, that film, Life is a Game of Inches, it was just an inch, a bob of the head that went the way of Crimson Advocate. But it meant so much to the team uh, and to be here watching Cindy Weaver, George Weaver and all concerned with Crimson Advocate was a very special moment mm. indeed at Royal Ascot. As I said, they could they could easily go in again yeah. with No Name Mets. They've got the Tory on No Name Mets in the, in the Norfolk Stakes this afternoon. Uh, that will massively increase their confidence. They could go in again. I mean, personally, I like American Rascal, but no doubt the fact that uh, Gulfstream have put on those races and that programme of events now to get horses to... The Royal to, Palm to, Series. Very good knowledge. Yep. Um, to get horses to Royal Ascot has paid dividends straight away um, you you will know as well as I do Nick and you probably know more it's so hard to ascertain the strength of the two-year-old form in America lining it up here but what we do know is that both George Weaver and Wesley Ward are very adept with their two-year-olds George Weaver operating at a ridiculous strike rate uh, with his two-year-old stateside and obviously that seems to be working here as well it is we try to rationalize how uh, Rogue Millennium won the Duke of Cambridge I didn't find it that hard. I think you've you finally found a trip. Yeah, when she ran in the Middleton, she clocked the fastest three furlongs or the final three furlongs of the race and she was held up at the back of the field on that occasion. So there was a school of thought. One or two members of the of the team suggested maybe a drop back in trip was 
necessary for her to show her absolute best. Were you in the vanguard? Perhaps. One or two wanted to go up in trip, um, which was certainly against my thinking. Um, but Tom Clover was the one who made the final decision with uh, Tony Elliott. Tom Clover was the one who said, look, I think we should go back to a mile. Duke of Cambridge was the race that they plumped for. Um, and to be fair, Danny, I, 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 obviously I missed the fact, I missed out on the fact that my brother-in-law Jack didn't ride her mm. that was a bit of a heart wrench because um, he's ridden her to all her races where she's obviously performed extremely well um, it was tough of you to jock him off I did not I mean, jock him off Nick. I did not jock you're him supposed off supposed to keep it in the family Rish I did not jock him off I mean, what did Holly say when you got home yeah well done Rishi unbelievable my brother stop this that. stop this I'll <laughs> you have no idea of how I'll get bullied at home but no um, Danny Tullop did give her a great ride he did. I thought it was a, a super ride. As, as I say, I thought that might get our Huntsman Ride of the Day, but not to be. It was. It was Should Frankie, have done. It was Frank. I, I kind of agree. I, <laughs> I voted in my own poll and I voted for Danny. But you guys, Fra voted. Frankie did give. I thought Frankie was uh, brilliant on Gregory. But do you know what the. It, this is how tight it was yesterday, and there were probably one or two that we we didn't include that we we should have included. But just pulling it up now, this is this is how you guys voted on the second day. Um, you voted Danny Tudhope seventeen percent. Wow. Colin Keane, I thought that was a great ride. Great ride. Twenty six percent Villanova Queen for Jessica Harrington. I mean, what a force she is. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, Ross Ryan, twenty eight percent. Twenty nine percent Frankie Dettori, wow. Gregory. Uh, 0.01% for Jack Mitchell on Don't Tell Claire, runner-up. <laughs> uh, Safi Osborne deserves an honourable mention. I thought that was a great ride Very on good Random ride. Harvest, yeah. runner-up. And, of course, John Velasquez in the opener. Somehow, Relief Rider was in front before, before the line. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it was the most extraordinary head bob uh, I've ever seen. But but well done to, to all the, the Rogues Gallery with, with, with Rogue Millennium. A, a great win for multiple and fractional ownership here at Royal Ascot. Well, as we know, yesterday was a great day for syndicate ownership, as we've been discussing. Uh, if, you've been, if you've been running a syndicate for a few years, you just dream of having winners at Royal Ascot. But fancy running two in the Hunt Cup and then finishing first and second. That's what happened to Chelsea Thoroughbreds yesterday. Uh, their founder is Richard Morecambe, who's, who's with me now. Um, it wasn't a dream, Richard. It, it really did happen. How do you feel this morning? Uh, good morning, Nick. I'm still pretty shocked. Um, people still ring me up now who are even there, saying they can't believe it, they I think the fact that we had the first two made it a very, very different experience than even just winning the race, to be honest with you. Um, and I must admit, if you asked me before the race, I'd have steered you in the direction of the second horse, not the first horse. Um, but, and to have two both sides of the track was also very, you know, an unbelievably different experience to watch the race as well. It, it was, you, you know, you couldn't really know, know where to look at, at the time. And, and both commentators, uh, Ian Bartlett here at Ascot and, and Richard Hoyles on, on ITV, they both clocked that it was going to be a Chelsea Thoroughbreds winner from you know, quite a long way out, probably half a furlong from home. That must have been a pr pretty glorious feeling. Who were, you, who were you yelling for or were you just in a state of shock? Yeah, I didn't hear that live because I was um, the noise, but I must have been, I've heard the playback on, on both of them. And it's, uh, yeah, it's quite... A surreal comment, comment, comment to make, isn't it? Um, I think at the time, I have to admit, I was shouting, Ryan, Ryan, get out, get out, Ryan. Because I could see that Jimmy had gone and it might be tough to peg him back. But I also thought Jimmy might start tying up. I mean, he's beaten that far side group about 12 lengths, hasn't he? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Hendricks has put up a, a performance that suggests that when he's on song, he's a real, real talent. I mean, you've won a hunt cut with him, so he owes you nothing. But what, what are you thinking now after yesterday as regards his future? Well, look, he has got his quirks. I mean, the blinkers obviously help 
Um, he doesn't like to be around horses either. So Ryan and uh, so Rossa and um, Rafe sort of now understand the horse. And he's also very track biased, I think. Um, he's never performed well on the Rodeo Mile. Um, we thought we'd win the Cambridgeshire. We thought we'd win the Lincoln. Neither of them worked out. Um, so look, there's plenty of great races at Ascot um, and maybe other straight miles as well that aren't undulating. Um, so look, we'll clearly probably have to go to group company now. Uh, the QE2 at the end of the season was uh, was chucked about in the champagne bar last night, but that might be a step too far. Well, why, why the hell not? Frankly, you may as well ride your luck while it's uh, while it while it's in. I mean, this has been a labour of love and a, a long time in endeavour. Try and explain to me why you've done this and what yesterday meant to you in that context. Well, look, I, I've loved horse racing since I was a very young lad and, and had my first winner in my own colours when I was in my early 20s. Um, so I've been owning horses for an awful long time. Um, and I started Chelsea Thoroughbreds seven or eight years ago because it's tough to get horses who are good. Um, and it's, it's, it's more fun having horses running at the big meetings. So therefore, if one pulls resources, you've clearly got a much better chance. And also, having winners on your own is nothing like as fun as having winners with friends. And most people who are involved in Chelsea are either friends, business associates, or friends of friends. We don't go out to advertise, um, but we welcome anyone to come in who wants to. Um, and everyone seems to get on. Uh, we choose, we, you know, we think we, we're with, the, with trainers that really suit our needs. They're all very, very talented and very good with owners as well. And we work very hard at, uh, at using all our skills and the team that we know and, and work with to actually try and get an edge and, and, and get good horses, which is very, very difficult. Um, so, look, it works well. We, you know, we've had a, seven or eight years we've been going. We've had a couple of runners in the derby. We've won group races in France. You know, we're not one of the major, major numerical syndicates, but, I, you know, I think, I think our track record is pretty strong. And uh, yesterday, I, it did strike me that there were two different syndicates and, and probably different groups of owners as well. Were there, were there people who were in both horses? Yes, there are, there are two or three. I mean, we, we split the horses into 10%, so there's 10 owners um, in essence. Um, you know, I get involved with every horse myself as well. Um, yeah, so there were, there were who were lucky enough to have a, a, a couple of shares in each. Um, and they, t- they tend to all know each other because most of them have shares in other horses. We have about 20, 20 horses. We're mainly flat, although we're, we're pushing a bit more into national hunt. We've got three or four national hunt horses. So, yeah, you know, some people take a lot of shares in different horses. Other people have one. It doesn't seem to make a lot of difference into their enjoyment. Um, and, and everyone seems to get on well. So it works great. Uh, and are we going to ride this wave and see Chelsea Green carrying the, the two-tone blue to success tomorrow? Well, if you'd ask me at the beginning of the week what the best chance was, um, it, was Chelsea, it was Chelsea Green. I mean, we had a horse called Sam Cook who finished fifth uh, in the last on Tuesday. Um, obviously a long way short of Vauban winning. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Chelsea Green, she's a lovely filly. She won first time up at Newmarket when we thought she might come on a lot for it. She's a very good time. Um, she's primed for this race, but it's 30 runners again. Um, she's actually drawn low, so she's actually going to be running roughly where Jimi Hendrix was. Um, I slightly feel that drawn high is better, but maybe it's all about the pace. Maybe they went a bit quick on the far side yesterday, but we'll see. Um, no, she's got a great chance. Richard, thanks for talking to me. I won't let you go without asking if anyone did the exacta yesterday. Uh, yes, at least two of the owners did the exacta. Oh, my God. Um, for very small money, one won an awful lot, and for someone who put a reasonable bet on, um, it nearly, it nearly, not quite matched the first winning prize money, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I sadly didn't myself. I had a few quid each way on the runner-up, so that shows why I know.
All right, that was Richard Morecambe, founder of Chelsea Thoroughbreds, on the 1-2 in yesterday's Hunt Cup. The feature race, of course, was the Prince of Wales' stake. A bit of a shock result with Mostadaf sweeping around the field to win. He didn't just win, he absolutely bolted up. He made some good horses look leaden-legged. He was ridden by Jim Crowley. And I think a lot of people, Jim, were scratching their head and saying, how did he do that? We knew he was good when he wanted to be, but how did it all come together for him yesterday? What did you think? Uh, obviously, the, the, the race went to plan. I thought they went just not a crazy gallop, but a nice sort of even sort of tempo. Um, but he, you know, we saw what he could do in Saudi when he had a mile and a quarter and fast ground. He was so impressive, and I thought he ran a good race in Dubai. Really, he just didn't quite stay. Um, obviously, I sat close to Equinox that day, and he, he didn't get home. So. You know, John and Sadie have done a marvellous job with him. They got him back. Um, he was very fresh and well yesterday. And he just showed a real turn of foot that, uh, like I said, that he produced in Saudi. And, um, you know, being able to cut those horses down the way he did yesterday, he even surprised me a little bit at that level. So even though we could say, right, one or two of them might have disappointed, they might have been a bit flat, they might be kind of on the staying side of 10 furlongs, what you actually felt in the saddle, with all your experience as a rider and a rider of top-class horses, you felt the performance of a, a really genuine top-level Group 1 horse? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. I thought yesterday was right out of the top draw. I mean, like I said, to quicken up past those horses the way he did uh, and, and win by sort of four, four and a half lengths was, was a serious performance. Um, it's all, He's always promised to do it. I mean, I think I was very disappointed. I think uh, last year when I rode him in the Brigadier Gerard at uh, Sandown, and Bay Bridge came past me, and I was—I couldn't believe he got beat, to be honest. Um, but that just proved that that night was on the sort of slower side. And I think he really likes the top of the ground this horse. And the good thing is he travels now. He's been abroad, um, so there's, there's lots of options for him. Uh, are you going to win on LSE for this afternoon? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, she, she gave me a great feel at uh, Goodwood. It's a different scenario. She's got a sort of big field, but um, yeah, she's very excited. All right, that was uh, Jim Crowley, and before that, you heard from Richard Morecambe from from Chelsea Thoroughbreds. I, perhaps we'll go in reverse order. But Jim, I think, kind of explains there how Mostadaf won. That he just ten furlong and that top of the ground and with the drying ground he is a hell of a horse you watched him in Saudi bounce off the ground Nick and he travels so beautifully this for, for me there's very little in racing that's more attractive than a good middle distance horse who travels and then has the ability to quicken he did that in Saudi uh, he actually did it at Kempton when he won the September stakes and if you look at the performance in the Shima Classic which you were in Dubai for mm. he did try to chase Equinox and, and it was a mile and a half. And it was a mile and a half, and he emptied out. I mean, he, he, he could probably stay a mile and a half without having to chase if he was ridden cold and patient. I'm sure he could get a mile and a half, but is he as effective over a mile and a half as he's over 10 for longs on, good gra- on top of the ground? He is very, very good. Extraordinary behaviour before the race as well. Yeah. He, he is clearly a, an unusual animal, isn't he? Because it's very o- not very often you see a horse getting that cultish and still winning. I, mean, I suppose Stradivarius did it. I suppose he did it. Yeah. But, but it's, but it's un- rare. You it's notice rare, when Stradivarius unusual, did it. Especially in a race like this and there's the horses are getting a bit older. And and the fact that he's... So I, I've, I've always said that the thing that characterises John Gosden's career when we look back on it is the fact that he's just brilliant at sort of managing the career of a group, group one horse when he knows he's got a really good one. Mm. Managing where they go next. He doesn't normally make a full step. Well, sometimes one might have criticised him for being a tiny bit safe occasionally, but 
he very rarely makes a misstep. This horse, you look at his career, there have been all sorts of weird aberrations and runs on soft ground and runs at 12 pounds. He's clearly a quirky bugger who's confounded them a few times. But Nick, I, I, I feel a little bit sentimental when you talk like that because I think John Gosden, Sir Michael Stout, Luca Kamani, uh, Henry Cecil back in the day, they were of an ilk. Those new market trainers, they were of an ilk. That, that's how they train their horses. They love the challenge of a horse that would test their individual individuality and their skills in trying to get the best out of sometimes tricky horses and I think that 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 skill is almost slightly disappearing at the top level and it's becoming a little bit of a game by numbers in some some respects but there are one or two that still do it obviously John Gosden he does have the luxury of having a lot of horses of yes he does. but the challenge of finding the right race the right horse and also a horse that um, when with a horse like Mostadar, for example, you can tell he's got a lot of ability, but it's taken a long time to drag it out of him and find his his perfect setup. Two relatively surprising winners of the of the big uh, older horse group ones this week in in Triple Time and and Mostadaf. What unites the pair? Frankel. Yeah, there you go. At it again. Not a massive surprise, is it? <sighs> and of course, Frankel's responsible for Courage Mon Ami in this afternoon's Gold Cup, bought uh, by the owners of Gregory, the new owners of Gregory, Wathnan Racing. Yes. They must be blank check time, mustn't it? <laughs> are you, not, Mrs. Are Cooper? you doing anything for Wathnan Racing yet? Uh, not yet, no. Uh, are you? I'm available. <laughs> yeah, um, if you know, Wathnan would require uh, bespoke podcasting services or something similar. Are they putting on a massive bowls tournament indoors somewhere? <laughs> Well, if they are, I know that Sean Williamson, who used to play Barrington East Enders, is, is available. Something inside so, so strong. strong. So strong. Um, we digress, of uh, course. Plus ba- a change. Ba- back on point, the Tory rides uh, Courage Mon Ami. He rode Gregory yesterday. Lydia and I discussed his ban quite lengthily mm. yesterday, so we don't need to go over old ground. He did say that he might appeal and confirmed that yesterday afternoon, having suggested it to the podcast yesterday. John Gosden said he thought the ban was a little bit harsh. I'm less interested in that. I'm more interested in this. In the very high likelihood that he either doesn't appeal or it doesn't get taken down to four days, mm. who would you have riding Emily Up John in the mm. Coral Eclipse Stakes at Sandown Park? It's it's going through my mind. I was thinking perhaps, assuming now that Adar doesn't go for the race and that there isn't a Godolphin runner, the old Buick Association Buick. with the Lloyd Webbers, Buick, yeah, the Fugue, mm-hmm. uh, Dare Me, etc. All right, joined once again by World Pools Jamie Hart. Jamie, what were the headlines yesterday? Well, it was a massive day for the Whirlpool yesterday. Um, even with sm- slightly smaller fields than we've got today, the Whirlpool. If you're betting, if you're just betting winners all day, every single winner paid more when you're betting into the Whirlpool through the tote. So, if you if you if you struggle to beat the price, and I know you know being betting with bookmakers, if we beat the price 100 percent of the time, your, your account will be very short lived. But while you're betting at the Whirlpool on Royal Ascot, every race yesterday paid better. Betting through the Whirlpool through the tote, and today. We've got absolutely massive fields, and as just in case people don't realise, with, with the tote, there's the same takeout rate in a four-runner race as there is in a 40-runner race. So, when you see those really big fields, it means that it means the margins are even thinner spread across all those runners. So, the likelihood of getting paid more is even greater. So, on a race like yeah, a day like yesterday, we pay better on every race. This time, it's going to be a massive overpay if you're picking winners today in these big fields. Well, all the great and the good dropping by uh, the spot 
on the podcast during the course of the week. Sarah Maxwell is a very diff- difficult person to pin down during during Royal Week because she is the Senior Broadcast Operations Manager. And if you've ever been here, you'll realise just how complex that is with broadcasters from all across the world lined up the steps away from the weighing room, not to mention uh, the contributions from the host broadcaster ITV and Sky. And alongside Sarah, Dan- oh, my old friend Dan Abraham's here as well, the senior photographers in the press room. Senior, of course, in standing. I'm not talking about his <laughs> his advancing years. Um, Sarah, first of all, it's a it's an amazingly challenging week for you operationally, but you always seem to walk around with a big smile on your face. Oh my gosh, Nick, this is why we do it. That's why I'm always smiling. You know, it is mad. It is. I've, my feet are killing me. We're only on day three. But do you know what? Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's, it, it's wonderful to have so many broadcasters here from around the globe, and uh, it's a fantastic week. And I know you work in conjunction with HBA uh, to, to make sure that the, the event is distributed around the world. On the ground here, who have you got? Just give us a flavour of who's here. Oh my gosh, we've got um, Dubai Racing here, we've got FanDuel from America, we've got NBC, we've got uh, Akidia from uh, France, we've got lots and lots of Australian broadcasters, Entain, Racing.com, Sky, Thoroughbred Central here. Um, yeah, and obviously we've got ITV, we've got we've got Sky, we, we've, we've, we've got everybody, and, and we're doing our own world feed from Ascot mm-hmm. as well. So, and, all, and lots of stuff for the Hong Kong Jockey Club, including a live broadcast for them, for their all the world pool races. Now, I know sometimes broadcast media are not the easiest group of people to, to keep happy. So how do you do it? What's the secret? I just keep smiling and hope they <laughs> smile back. And this is why and it works, Dan, doesn't it? It does. Everybody needs to smile. It makes makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> You're someone who is, is known to have a view if things aren't aren't swinging quite quite the way you want them to. Do they go your way at Royal Ascot normally? Yeah, it's 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 a pretty good place to work. Um, people are always happy when you start. You don't tend to take pictures of people after racing because they've had a little bit too much <laughs> fun. But yeah, it's it's a great place to work. Great so horses. You, you're not a paparazzo. You don't go out into car park two and uh, and try and get sort of unsolicited, unsolicited yeah. pictures of various trainers no. beating each other up or whatever. No, no, no. Not I that stay, that ever happens. I stay that well away from car park two and the silver ring because it can get quite debauched at times your best royal ascot picture over the years what's it been and how did you get it oh i know there have been so Uh, many it's hard to choose from well your personal favorite personal favorite frankel every time just it was what the last time when it was running and the ground was a bit soggy that was that was fantastic and as far as the royal meetings concerned, I mean, do you deal in personalities as well as as the horses? I mean, if there are, you know, there always are a lot of celebrities here, senior royals. Do you is is that big currency for you as in, in your role? Um, it is. Everybody likes to see them, and everybody likes to see them smiling. I mean, it, the, the queen was great at that, um, and the, the king's been king and queen now were, were great yesterday. So, and the day before, you know, you see them in the carriages and everybody's cheering. So it's quite good. That that always is. Handy. Isn't it wonderful to see them here and how often, how engaged they are yeah. this week? It's, abs- it's been absolutely fantastic. Incredible. But, uh, but you must see it differently through your lens because you're looking for engagement, engagement in the eyes. You want you well, want to see their face. The thing is, you do see, well, King Charles now, you can see his smile in his eyes. It's it's there when, when, he, when, he, when he breaks one out, which isn't that often. 
uh, Britannia Handicap is one of the toughest races of the week. Uh, if you have a vested interest in some of the charitable causes that it's supporting this year, courtesy of the betting industry and the Betting and Gaming Council, you will want it to be as hard as possible because uh, the bigger price the winners, you would think, then the greater the bookmaker's profits will be and as such, the greater the donation uh, to some incredible charitable causes. I fully declare an interest. One of them is the Cystic Fibrosis Trust that you know uh, I have a very close involvement with and I can tell you firsthand how thrilled everybody there is that they'll be receiving a donation of at least £50,000 after this afternoon. Michael Duggars, the Chief Executive of the Betting and Gaming Council. Michael, just tell us a little bit about some of the other beneficiaries. So we're really pleased once again, Nick, um, to be doing the charity race in Britannia Stakes. It's something we've done over the last uh, three years since the BGC was uh, created. Uh, we've raised over £5 million pounds to so many good causes, uh, not just through the Britannia Stakes, but through the Virtual Grand National and the charity bet around the Grand National as well. But the Britannia Stakes is a really, really important um, uh, campaign for us. So this year we're backing uh, Sports Aid, uh, the Holocaust Educational Trust, uh, the Cystic Fibrosis Trust, as you mentioned, uh, the SAS Regimental Association, uh, Ascot Racecourse Support, and also Together for Looked After Children. So once again, it's a range of really, really good um, causes. We always support at least one health charity, one armed forces charity, um, and, and everything in between. And we really hope that today, once again, um, it, it, my, uh, it's not often I would say this to you, Nick, but I, but I really hope uh, I, I really hope a, a big outsider comes in and uh, and we and we make lots of money in order for that all to be donated to these charities. You know, it's, same thing happened last year, and uh, we're really excited at the prospect of, of raising some really vital funds. It's really tough out there for a lot of these charities, so everything that our members can do uh, to help, you know, I know will be enormously appreciated, and, and we're so proud to be part of it once again. Tell you what, they're all here now, back here at, uh, at Royal Ascot, day three in the lovely sunshine. Rishi's been here for a little while. David Yates, our, our, our pod friend, has, has popped by, newsboy from the Daily Mirror. Don't be shy, Yatesy, it'd be unlike you. How's, how's it all going? You're, you've got a couple of um, couple of top hats there in, in polythene. Yeah, just to protect them from... Uh any moths, my liege, and, under, and underneath. Are they? Are they? Have they been returned, or are they? No, no, they're just. No, well, just just uh, lend, lending them to a friend. Uh, no commercial benefit to myself. I should. Um, I should stress that. But yeah, in a top hat, underneath is the merino wool, mm-hmm. and when you store a top hat, is this of any interest to to your? Right, okay. Um, the silk, they don't go near. They don't eat that. The moths, but they will eat the merino. So, you should always store it in a in a plastic bag that you are of course a, an ambassador for for my own enterprise well i always thought i was the the ambassador but you are you are you are you are indeed you are you are the cherished ambassador and thank there you. is only one thank you there is only one i'm ripping the inside of my hat out right now <laughs> are you a client as well i was a client journalist <laughs> <laughs> so um Speaking of which, how's it all going uh, in the uh, in the pullout this week? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been fine. It's been uh, very busy. Uh, winners have been pretty hard to come by. Uh, luckily, uh, one gave the Nick Luck Daily listeners Paddington as the which, as the horse on we, Tuesday. We gave which, you full credit yesterday on which, the show, <laughs> which got us off to a good start. Um, yesterday, like many people, uh, I found salvation in Frankie de Tory, mm-hmm. but that was it. Um, 
Slim, slim pickings. I mean, I, I was amazed uh, that speak. I, I don't know what other bookmakers, for example, Fitzdares might say, but speaking to our sponsor, William Hill, yeah, uh, they said yesterday that we, we're about even. And I thought, well, if you're about even after a, a set of results over the first two days, of which really the only the 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 only cloud surely on an azure sky would have been an even money favorite in the yeah. queen's vase then you might you might have trouble getting ahead over the next three days Lyri- do, you, do you share that that view or not lyrical stuff well sometimes it doesn't that it one of two explanations to that one is that as always the bookmakers don't want to give you you know too much of an idea as to how their how their balance sheet looks that was after, my thinking. after day two y- yeah and the second is do we just look at things way too reductively when we go oh one for the punters there or you know great well, day for the punters because seven fabs have won if you're if you're an on-course bookmaker then you can talk to lots of on-course bookmakers at the end of a day and they can give you different results because a load of 33 to 1 shots can win Mm. and someone can say oh yeah but the stag had 20 quid on that and the best man had 30 quid on on that 33 to 1 skinner and that really took the gloss off when you've got thousands and thousands of shops and an online business pretty much around the world surely that balances that that those those little stingers that can ruin ruin your day surely they just get lost in the in the the, the general consistency of business don't they well I'm not, i've never been a bookmaker but that's what i would have surmised i think i think it's some very interesting points you're raising there and i would imagine that there there were probably very few bookmakers yesterday who were you know, calling for medical services down on on the rails if they had wanted to call for medical assistance they have said Dr Guy Mitchell who is uh, the race course doctor here at Ascot today um, come and join us Guy morning of course I was talking to, to Rishi earlier on about um, his uh, his other brother-in-law uh, Jack <laughs> Mitchell um, who, who cruelly jocked off Rogue Millennium uh, yesterday in the in That's the Duke of Cambridge State does he show does he generally show a bit more family loyalty when it's required essentially no <laughs> <laughs> but you're a man who it's more useful to know when, when times get tough, I'd suggest. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'm also of the camp that feels that Jack should have been on that horse. But what more can I say? It's all become very awkward, very critical. <laughs> oh my God, what have I got myself into? Right, furiously now backpedalling. Guy, official role today. Yes. Um, yep. Just take me through your day, how it all how it all sort of the preparation for it? Yeah, well, essentially there are uh, six of us um, medics here today. Um, There will be four of us covering the track and two of us covering the crowd duties um, right up until a couple of hours after racing. Um, We've had a reasonably good week. There have been a couple of incidents in the stalls that have been a little bit um, hairy, but no one's been hurt so far. Um, And we're just uh, hoping it will stay that way. Uh, From a a medical perspective, what... What is your biggest anxiety on a day like this? Um, I think uh, probably the big sort of sprint handicaps where something would come down and at the front of the field and bring other stuff down with it. That would be my greatest anxiety. Now you've grown up with racing, you've ridden in races, we've documented your story a number of occasions as well. How much greater an understanding does that give you when it comes to treating these sports people? Uh, I mean, obviously, I've, I've, as you say, I've grown up in it. I understand them. The, the problem with us is, you're, you're, 
you're always going to get a sort of negative response from the jockeys because you're dealing with them at their lowest ebb. They, they want to be winning the race, not rolling around on the floor. So that's, that's, a, that's a difficult... You're on a negative already because they've fallen off the horse they're wanting to win on and, and then they may also be injured with it. So um, it's a, it, it can be challenging, but you know we're, we're trained properly to deal with the situations that arise and we've got great support from our veterinary colleagues and also people like the horse ambulance and things like that so we have a very structured way of approaching any um, incident or injury and I, I will say if there's a if there's an official of any description with a better tie than the one that guy is wearing today Rishi I, I, I think I'll struggle to find them truly magnificent and a lovely present from the Passad family there we are <laughs> keeping it in the family actually. here on the on the Nick Day podcast guy thank you very much no Dr Guy Mitchell who is doing absolutely vital work here at the Royal Meeting uh, keeping the riders and the and the crowd safe. He's a good man. Yeah, he's a good man, and of course he would have been well trained to deal with people at their lowest ebb. Considering the, how do we say it? Don't get yourself in any more trouble. <laughs> I've got you in enough as it is. You have got me in a load of trouble. Uh, Holly's got to listen to this one, hasn't she? She will be listening to first. This one. Make it first. Make it. No, make she it. has listened to a few of them, but I think this will be the one that will get me in most trouble. I did not want to jock Jack off. I'd love Jack to have ridden Regmanonium yesterday. All right, the good news is that Lisa is back with us, Lisa Tan, official millionist of the Nick Like Daily podcast, to add style, glamour, class, and just a bit of decorum to proceedings. But there is nothing quiet about your, about your outfit for Gold Cup Day, Lisa. Spectacular. How would you describe it? Not gold. I've realised that. It's a bit of a faux pas. On the way in on the train, I thought, oh yeah, Gold Cup Day, and I'm completely dressed head to toe in platinum. A good friend of mine describes it as uh, my human disco ball outfit. <laughs> I can't better that. It's magnificent. It's perfect, isn't it? I mean, the spirit of James Sherwood is, is well and truly with us, it, it, it seems. <laughs> All right, Lisa, quick reflection on yesterday. Yesterday was, well, it was a great day on the racing front, mm-hmm. personally. Um, but fashion-wise, we started to see the prints coming through. Prince as in P-R-I-N-T-S, not Prince as in William. Unfortunately, we're still waiting for his arrival. Uh, But yes, we were seeing polka dots, we were seeing florals, lots and lots of florals. So obviously the colour's still there, uh, but the polka dots were coming in black and white. And then if we look to someone like Rosie Tapner, she managed to combine both polka dots and florals together. To what extent do people make a bigger effort on Gold Cup Day? Oh, absolutely. It is the Millinery Olympics today. This is is what we've trained all year for. I think you're winning gold medal hat-wise. Talk to me about the hat. Thank you. It is the hat that I made for last year's Royal Ascot Millinery Collective. So obviously last year was uh, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and I wanted to go with that theme. So it actually, it's a big spiral. Basically I'm wearing a big silver spiral on my head that's kind of floating thanks to a myriad of wires and construction all hidden underneath it. And it has seven spirals which were used to denote, denote the 70 years that she had been our queen. Uh, Did did it take you as long to make as it looks? Oh my god. Yeah, I would actually say this is the most difficult piece I've ever made in my entire life. Yeah. Really? It really was. You're a winner already. Could you be a double winner by giving me the the horse that's going to pass the post first in the Gold Cup? (laughs) Um, I quite like Courage Monomy. We just don't know what he's going to be. He could be anything. He's so lightly raced, and I mean, he's got the Gosdens in their corner as well. So 
and Frankie. And you've now got, Frankie's have you got had a bit of cheeky inside information here? No, I don't. I Are absolutely you sure? no. I promise you I don't. I get to, I don't get told anything. <laughs> so can we can we have full disclosure that you are very friendly with Thea Gosden? She's going to hate that her name's come out on this podcast now. <laughs> well, Thea Gosden Hood, I should be to be more. We correct. only speak about fashion. So okay. that's all we talk about is fashion and then after the horses have run and won then we start talking. All right, John and Thady, don't worry. <laughs> Honestly, Lisa's not getting all the inside snippets from Clarehaven. They will never let me back into the paddock again. <laughs> I'm off to back courage, mon ami. Lisa Tan, official milliner, thank you. Thanks, Nick. She's going to kill me. <laughs> all right, Rishi's back with me uh, after an episode that is highly likely to get us into all sorts of bother. Um, thank you. You are going to provide me with a few winners for today and one that stands above all else. Okay. Uh, I'm very excited by American Rascal. I know that... They're starting to get backable, isn't he? Oh, definitely. He was up sixes on, on the exchanges this morning. Um, and I like elite stages, don't get me wrong, but of course he's following the same pattern that his sire did, trained by Carl Burke, who won at Havana Gray, won at Sandown, won impressively, then came here and got beaten. Um, obviously the Carl Burke two-year-old fillies yesterday, they um, were below par. Um, so I'm thinking American Rascal, look, there's no doubt that that first win left a, a, a deep impression on how good he might be so I'd stick with that and the, the, you say the prices he looks very exciting um, also today I like uh, two other horses that I have particular affection for one is uh, Perfuse obviously Sir Michael, Michael Stout. Stout but more importantly than that he beat a horse called Rogue C uh, <laughs> please don't look so despondent oh god yeah god but he beat Rogue C handsomely uh, at Nottingham uh, Rogue C had won at Yarmouth on debut then he thrashed Rogue C at Nottingham so I thought oh, maybe maybe it's exposed how good Rogue C was but then Rogue C came out a ripping and broke the track record mm. so he then went on to Doncaster and he was I thought pretty impressive still looked a little bit green lugged a bit left in the closing stages I'm sure he's he's going to be even better than he already is he may be a long term project he may be a ledger horse Nick uh, but hopefully this is another step on the journey for him it's time to get Sir Michael on the board and the other horse I'm going to back today is Exoplanet for Roger Varian. Roger Varian gave that horse a very good mention on Luck on Sunday last weekend. Of course, he got beaten by Bertinelli, who runs in the King George Handicap. Exoplanet is going for the Hampton Court. Um, I like Exoplanet. I thought he was unlucky. Uh, he obviously had, to, he had that stumble two furlongs out in the home straight in the London Gold Cup where there was a, a bit of litter on the track and he tried to jump it. Uh, so hopefully Ascot will keep their home straight a little bit cleaner than Newbury. Keep Britain tidy. Keep Ascot tidy. Quite keep right. the home straight tidy. Rishi, thank you very, very much. Uh, we will be back again tomorrow, of course. And don't forget to vote in our daily ride of the day. So far, Neil Callan, triple time. Frankie Dottori, Gregory have won the daily polls. Would I have voted for either of those? I don't know. I probably would have gone for Danny Tudhope, as we were saying earlier uh, yesterday. And we're really grateful for the support of Huntsman this week. Uh, Savile Row uh, have been outfitting kings and queens of Europe, Hollywood's leading lights, artists, designers, and the most sartorially discerning ladies and gentlemen, like Rishi Passat, for 171 years, with a reputation for making the world's finest handcrafted clothes, lending their support to our ride of the day here on the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. That was Thursday the 22nd. It is good morning from Ascot. Back to do it all over again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.